Welcome to the Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable. We believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith, guiding you to financial freedom. My co-host today, Jordan Sudi of Sudi CPA. Hi, hey, Casey. Jordan. How are you? Doing good. Good. All right. Um, Jordan, yeah. did you know that in 2009, now think about this, 2009 was the Great Recession, right? Right. So in 2009, in that year, there were 560,000 new businesses formed. You fast forward to 2020, which is a pandemic year, mm-hmm. there were 804,000 new businesses formed in 2020, with even more being formed in 2021. For the most part, except for 2014, 2015, every single year, more companies are being formed than ever before. That's crazy. In America. I believe it. That's probably one of the reasons why we get so often, hey, I want to start a company or I'm going to start something on my own. Should I form an LLC? Mm-hmm. And then and say, or should I be an S Corp? And so I thought, hey, since it's asked all the time, maybe we should do a podcast about it. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, we get this question a lot too. I mean, every week I feel like we have people, you know, they're 1099 employees or they want to start their own business or they have a hobby that's grown and they're interested in how to make it into a formal business. And so, yeah, this is a question we answer a lot. All right. So I think the simplest thing to do is just go down the list here Yeah. of different classifications. Mm-hmm. So there's one that's default. Yeah. <laughs> if you do nothing, you're a sole proprietor. Yep. So that's the, like Casey said, the default. I mean, it's Schedule C on your 1040, no additional filings. It'll all go on your personal tax return. The only downside, well, not the only downside, we can get to that, but the big downside to that is whatever income you show on Schedule C, not only is it subject to income tax, you also have to pay self-employment tax on all of the earnings. So that can be quite burdensome. I mean, it's another 15% on top of you know whatever your income tax rate is. You do get the employer side deduction for 7.8%, you know, of the self-employment tax you pay, but it doesn't really offset sometimes when you have big income numbers. So what is self-employment tax? What is that made up of? So that's your FICA and your Medicare, you know, coming in. So it's what you would pay if you're working for the man. Yes. It's it's <laughs> on your W, if you're a W-2 employee, you're paying it. Um, but if you're 1099 and you're receiving, you know, income that way, you're not paying it. And so, so you're um, paying both sides. You're paying the employer's yes. share and you're paying your share. Right. Yes. But you get to deduct. You do get to deduct, but it doesn't really... It, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the disadvantage I see is is that you don't have any legal protection. So you basically, um, if you are found fault at something, so if you're selling widgets and a widget breaks and I don't know, people die. That's right. the worst case scenario, right? It's always right. death, I guess. Right. So if people die, then um, your all your personal assets are now up for grabs because yeah. of that. Yeah. Outside of hopefully good insurance that you've had. Right. And also a big thing about Schedule C, because if you if you have a loss on Schedule C, that'll offset any income you have on your tax return. So say one spouse is W-2 um, and makes $100,000 and then you have a Schedule C business and you have a $20,000 loss, that'll net to 80K, which yeah. is a pretty good, you know, that's pretty good. Right. But the IRS doesn't want to see losses on Schedule C year after year after year. They might say, hey, this isn't an income producing business. No, it's you're just, hobby. yeah, it's a hobby. You're just losing money. We're going to stop that. So you need to show the general rule is every two out of five years or two out of the last five 
show income. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of let it be. But, you know, it's just something to think about because you don't want them to come in and disallow losses and then you owe back taxes and it can just be a mess. So, Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the next step. Okay. LLCs. Yeah. Limited liability companies. Why would I form an LLC from a tax perspective? Creating an LLC, I mean, for tax purposes, there's not really a big difference between just being a sole proprietor, you know, having income on your Schedule C and creating the LLC. But becoming an LLC gives you the option to explore other tax filings like an S-Corp, if you would like, or, you know, if you have a multi-member LLC, a partnership. So it provides other avenues in which you can be more tax efficient, possibly. So really the, the biggest advantage, if, if you're still working for yourself and you're a person of one, is going to be um, the LLC will shelter you from liability. Yeah. So uh, if, if you are liable for something, then all the bad stuff stops inside the LLC. It won't come out of the LLC into your personal assets. Yeah. Unless you're committing fraud or deceiving people, then right. <laughs> um, the, the, the LLC cannot protect you from, from that. So, okay. So we know that there's no tax reason to form an LLC. It's really just for liability reasons then. And then the next step, though, is you can be an LLC, and we haven't talked about S-corporations yet, but you can be an LLC that then applies for the S-corp election, mm-hmm. and then there are some tax advantages by doing that. Yes, definitely. Um, to become an S-corp, you would have to incorporate as you know a corporation, or you can choose to be an LLC that's taxed as an S-corp, and there are definitely advantages to the S-corp. Let's say that you decide you know, now at the end of the year, you want to be an escort for 2021. Um, it's not as easy as just sent, you know, applying to be an escort and you get the status for the whole year to become an escort. You have to apply for your EIN. You have to have that. And then you have to, your election has to be made either effective today and you have to make it within 75 days or within 75 days of the start of a calendar year. So for most people that come to us, we either say like, let's make it effective starting today so all income going forward is on your S-Corp or let's make sure we apply within by March 15th of next year. And then you have it for 2022. So the rules are a little strict there for an S-Corp and applying to be an S-Corp. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind if it's an avenue you're considering. There is a late election relief that the IRS usually allows, but we don't like to do that unless it's you know extenuating circumstances. So let's take a step back and say, why would we, why would we, take our LLC and even apply, apply for this. Yeah. So the biggest advantage to an escort for tax purposes is the savings on self-employment tax. So like we said, for schedule C, when you're a sole proprietor, you're paying self-employment tax on every dollar of profit you show at the end of the end of the day. Whereas if you're an escort, there is a way to escape some payroll tax and you won't end up paying payroll tax on your profits, but you do need to show a reasonable wage. So say you're a one member S corp, one shareholder, and you are showing $250,000 of profit. That 250 is going to escape payroll tax as long as you're showing a reasonable wage for yourself. Reasonable is kind of a, an interesting topic for us and and the IRS. I mean, they might come in and say a reasonable wage would be $250,000. You know, that way they're getting their payroll taxes on that amount. Um, but for us, usually we like to say anywhere from, you know, maybe 50% of profits to we can go even a little more less than that. Um, it really is a kind of case by case scenario, but that's where you can escape payroll tax on large amounts of profit by showing a reasonable wage instead. 
So the idea is you would take a salary. Yes. So let's say your business makes $200,000 a year after all, all expenses. Mm-hmm. So maybe you take a salary of $50,000 a year. Yep. And then you take a draw of 150000 Yes. That draw is still subject to income tax, but you're not having to pay the self-employment tax. Right. Yes. Correct. So that saves you about what? What percentage? Is it like three and a half percent? Yes. So you're saving about three and a half percent on tax by by doing that. I, one caveat I think I'll add to that as a, as a planner is that you have to be careful of that because Social Security is still such a big part of everyone's retirement. And... I see a lot of small business owners really hurt themselves because if you're not successful, meaning that you're a business owner and you have a job, a lot of business owners just have jobs. They're really good at doing their job and they happen to, they happen to also be self-employed. They never generate wealth by doing it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happens is you, 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 maybe you're making a good amount of money, but, but you're, you know, you're, you're getting by. Right. It's expensive to live these days. And so you're you're not taking enough and paying into your future social social security. So your social security for you is like five thousand dollars a year in retirement. Uh, and for everyone else it's thirty five to forty thousand dollars a year. So you have to be careful in your planning that you're at least putting into that. Another example that I, I see are some of our pilots, expat pilots, so they're flying for carriers in the Middle East. They don't have to pay Social Security into the Social Security system. They're making $300,000 a year as expatriates, you know, flying. And they have housing allowances and et cetera, et cetera. But they're not, they have no form, no way to save anything, right? And and they're also not, because they don't have 401ks and they're they're not putting money into the Social Security system. So they have to save into a brokerage account on their own. Right. And they're not always good at doing that. And so what happens is they had a great career, but they have no money <laughs> in the end. So, so I just, I just want to add that caveat there that sometimes it's not all about getting the lowest tax rate. It's a big picture. And so for, for a lot of people, successful businesses, what I see is uh, maybe wife is also has some role in the company, whether it be very minor wife gets 150,000 husband gets 150,000 that maxes out your social security and then all the profits after that they would not take a bigger salary. They would cap that at 150 each, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then the rest of it, they, they, they take as a draw. Right. So that that's kind of putting it together from a planning perspective. I often tell people, you know, CPAs, their job is to get you to pay the smallest amount of tax. Attorneys, their job are, is to protect you from all liability. <laughs> and sometimes those compete yeah. <laughs> with each other. And so a planner's job is to look at the, the whole picture. Right. And, and be able to, to help each professional maximize right. the whole picture. So that was my tangent in, in attempting to uh, attempting to do that. So so that's an LLC with an S-Corp election. So that's why you would do that S-Corp election. Uh, and typically, I've, I've heard if you have employees, it's better to do that with an S-Corp election versus a straight-up LLC. I don't know if that's a real thing or not. It's just something that I've read. I don't know that it would matter, right? Because... Yeah, you know, if you have a tax identification number for your LLC, your LLC should be able to. I don't. I don't think that's a real thing. Yeah, I. I, I don't necessarily see a advantage or disadvantage to to that. I think we mentioned maybe we haven't yet, but the one thing about an S corp is that you can't have more than a hundred shareholders. Well, for most small businesses, that's not an issue. But um, say you want to go into business with your 
friend or you know a buddy the only downside to an s-corp when you have a an outside partner like that everything has to be allocated pro rata in the s-corp so say i put in a hundred thousand dollars to our s-corp and then I have my friend come in and she puts in 5,000, but we're 50-50 partners. We're going to be splitting the income 50-50. And so I'm essentially funding all the activity and she's just coming in and maybe that she's not, you know, making up for it in any way. Everything has to be pro rata. So that's kind of a a slight disadvantage there. Um, Whereas in a partnership, when we get to that, you can specially allocate every item within a partnership so that it better reflects how things are being funded within the business. So, but with an LLC, mm-hmm. you have more flexibility with that. Is that what you're saying? Or the S corporation, you have less flexibility. The S corporation is very rigid on allocation of income. Of so 50,000 in, you put in 50, I put in 50. It's a, it, it, it can be, it has to be 50, 50. Yes. And then everything is allocated 50, 50. So say you just kind of don't want to do the work or say, I don't want to do the work and you do right. all the work. It's still going to be allocated 50, 50, which I mean, maybe that's good one way or the other, but I don't know. It just doesn't really work unless it's everyone's kind of doing their part. But we see a lot of times, you know, just a one shareholder. That's where it just, it works best, I think, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So then going back to the LLCs, there's a, there's a single member. So that means it's just one person. You're the owner of the LLC. Uh, then there's multi-member, which is essentially a partnership, mm-hmm. right? Yes. But then there's also just disregarded entities that it flows through anyway on your tax return. So let's talk about the number of returns. Right. <laughs> so if you're a single member LLC, it just flows through to your personal tax return. There's, There's no tax return for the LLC yes, itself. One return, your 1040 Schedule C has your business. Correct. But if you're a multi-member LLC, mm-hmm. then that, does that include husband and wife? Yes. So if you're a multi-member LLC, you become a partnership and that's an additional tax filing. Just like S Corp, that's an additional tax filing. Partnerships, 1065 becomes an additional form. So husband and wife are 50-50 and they're married, filing a joint return, you'd still have a separate LLC tax return. Correct. Um, And then uh, obviously if, if... you and I were not we're not partners in life, right? Right. <laughs> so, so partners in podcasts. Partners in podcasts. <laughs> so our LLCs, we would have to have a separate um, tax return. And yes. Your uh, does it distribute K ones? Yes. So my K one would go to my return, mm-hmm. and your K one would go to your return. Mm-hmm. And even if we're fifty fifty partners, if you you know in our first year you do all the work while I'm out doing something else, we can allocate all the income to you or allocate all of the loss to you. I think that's where it becomes a really big, yeah, a big thing. You know, say we, a lot of times businesses incur losses in those first few years with all your startup costs. If you're the only one doing the work, you should be the one being allocated that loss. So that's where that can come into play, where it works to your advantage in a partnership is the ability to say, hundred percent to KC for the loss and Jordan gets nothing. So it it's a a way to more adequately and accurately allocate income. There's some really big companies out there that are LLCs. GMAC was was one. I believe Johnson & Johnson was. Uh, I saw that listed somewhere. Who can own LLCs? So I think anyone can own an LLC except for, and I have it in my notes here, uh, banks and insurance companies cannot own LLCs. Otherwise, anybody else can, anybody else can own an LLC. You form an LLC through articles of organization, which have to be filed with the state. So you mm-hmm. can get down 
uh, in Georgia, Secretary of State's website, you can file for a name and then get your, they generate your articles of organization right there when you're putting it all together. I, I would, I, I'm like you guys, I suggest always contacting an attorney, especially if there's partners involved, mm-hmm. because articles of organization are not going to handle disputes. Right. Um, or buyouts or anything like that. So mm-hmm. you can c- create bylaws for the LLC that would show how the LLC is to be operated or an operating agreement, I guess, is how that would be for an LLC. Bylaws, I think, are for uh, S corporations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the benefit of paying uh, for that fee for that professional to, to generate that is is to help you either unwind it or if it's 50-50 and you don't agree what happens, all that can be addressed uh, inside the uh, operating agreement of the LLC. Right. Okay, so let's let's go ahead and move back into S corps. You don't have to be an LLC and file for an S corp election. You can just start off as an S corp. Right. Yes. You would incorporate, and then you yeah. choose to be an S corp as opposed to a C corp. Yes. So LLCs, you're a member of the LLC. Mm-hmm. You're a shareholder mm-hmm. of a S corp. Yes. Correct. So that's important. Uh, if you want to have a fancy stock certificate, you would open up as an S corp. Uh, and and I think an important note is for S corps is not only are you a shareholder, but you're also an employee of the S corp. That's why you have to take the salary, the wage. And I think some people get this a little confused because on your personal return, if you're a partner, if you have a partnership, you're allowed to take unreimbursed partner expenses on your personal return. So say you're a partner in a in a like a law firm or an accounting firm or something you know like that, and you have business meals where you take people out, and the partnership doesn't reimburse you for those. You can take those on your personal return. Well, as employee of the S corp, they did away with employee, you know that two percent employee itemized deduction, you know unreimbursed expenses. And so, as an S corp employee, you can't take unreimbursed expenses on your personal return. So I think sometimes people get that a little confused. Um, they'll be like, my business didn't, you know, reimburse me for this. Can I take it on my personal return? Well, not if you're an S corp shareholder slash employee, but yes, if you're a partner in a, in a partner partnership. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. There's also limitations on, on who can own S corps. So it looks like, uh, according to my notes here that corporations cannot own S corporations, but LLCs, I believe LLCs can own S corps, Yeah. but S corps can't own LLCs. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure why they I'm sure there's, yeah, have some, structured that yeah, way, but I'm sure some, reason. someone did it one time and they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would say the disadvantages to an S corporation is probably the more, uh, is, is the more of the formality of the, of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more record keeping. I definitely say you have to be maintaining good books and records, which you should with an LLC anyway. Right. But it's probably more important with with a uh, with an S corporation. And a big thing when we have, so we have a lot of clients that start out as Schedule C, it grows. And so then we have them become an S corp. And then a big thing that we have them do, and the IRS would have them do too, is open up a separate business checking account, open up a separate business credit card, just to make sure that everything is kept separate. Because I mean, the IRS theoretically could come in and say, this really isn't an S corp. You really are just a sole proprietor. You're commingling all the money. This is your personal checking account. This should all be on Schedule C all subject to self-employment tax. So really important that if you have an S-Corp, if you incorporate, to keep it separate and take those draws as a shareholder. You know, transfer the money out in organized ways Mm -hmm. as opposed to just using your personal checking account as your business account. Yeah, well, that's probably good for anybody just to keep things separate. But yeah, certainly with an S-Corporation. So to to open up an S-Corp, you do it the same way. Uh, And and 
you can go on, go online to your state's uh, website to create an S-Corp. Again, I recommend using an attorney uh, to produce the shares and have more uh, of a formal uh, book that you keep. Right. And, and uh, annual meetings, uh, minutes, minute forms, things of that nature. And to kind of piggyback off that, we a lot of people will come to us and say, like, should I open an S-Corp? And we really don't necessarily suggest it until they've hit about $150,000 in profit just because of those additional costs. Because you do have an additional 1120S form that you have to file now. You have to keep up your yearly filings with the state. You have possibly an attorney. Um, so it's, there's just additional costs there that it takes a while to outweigh the additional payroll costs. So it's just something to keep in mind. It might not be the best option until you've hit a, a large profit number. So, let's, uh, well, okay. So that's a good point. So with an S corporation, you're still passing through all the earnings yes. to your personal tax return, Correct. just like an LLC, Correct. except you're saving on the uh, self-employment tax, yes, essentially. Correct. Yes, And now, that's a great transition because as we go into talk about C corporations, mm-hmm. which I don't see many of those. Yeah. I, I don't know why you become a C corporation unless your company's just really, really large. Right. When At my last firm, I worked at a large firm. I, I didn't even know what an S corp was. Oh, it, wow. We only did C corps. Only did Cs. Yes. Okay. But they were, I mean, multinational, like large, yeah, yeah. publicly traded companies. Now, I mean, we have very few C corps we do. For a small business owner, there'd have to be something other than tax leading you to create a C-Corp because it really is not advantageous at the small business level to be a C-Corp. So basically how it gets set up is a a C-Corp is its own entity. So it pays taxes at the corporate tax rate, right? which we all read about or, or, or listen, listen to when, when we're changing, you know, politics changes, right. We're going to tax corporations more. This is what they're talking about. Right. Is is at this level. Right. And another point on the C Corp is if they have a loss, that loss stays at the C Corp. Whereas if you have a, if you are actively participating in your S Corp or your partnership and you incur a loss, Mm -hmm. that comes to your personal return. It reduces all your other income. And if it puts you in a negative position, then it's an NOL, a net operating loss that you get to carry forward. If your C Corp has a loss, you don't get to offset any income on your personal return with that. It just stays at the C Corp and it'll, it'll offset future income, but there's no immediate benefit to you. Although you probably are out money yourself because your company didn't make any money. So the company again, pays its own tax and then you get your W2 Mm -hmm. and you pay tax again. Right. Or they give you a, uh, dividends. Dividends. So right. you receive a 1099 dividend from your C corp, and then you pay tax again on those profits. Yeah. So yeah, not a, not a good answer, unless there's a reason other than tax. Yeah. Because okay. I mean, C corps are. Um, I know they help generate capital. You know, you can have. There's no limit on a number of shareholders or yeah. partners. So your your W two would be a deduction to the C corp. So that's not your wages aren't getting double taxed. It's your it's your distributions that yes. are double taxed. Yes, and that's the whole purpose of having companies is for the distributions. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it'd have to be it have to be a really good reason. Right. And so, a lot, sometimes we see S corps that grow in or become C corps, you know, you yeah. revoke your, they grow so big, like, Oh goodness, this, but that's a good, that's a yeah. good reason to become a C corp. But for yeah. small businesses, yeah, I'd well, say most publicly traded companies are C corps. So if you're going to take your business yes, public, exactly. Then it's going to, you're headed down that route anyway. Right. So that that's a different, that's a little different story. I feel like. Yeah. Okay, great. So, it can be complicated. Yeah. I, I think for most people getting started, um, it's establishing the LLC. Yeah. And then as you grow, you start, you do the subchapter S 
mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then you could stay right there for a really long time. Right. It, it works well for a lot of people. Um, I definitely would suggest a CPA if you're thinking about starting your own business and a financial advisor to help you too. It can be very confusing for yeah. if you don't know. Even as a CPA myself, it. I mean, the first few times I did it, I was like, oh, this. I'd have to go back to my notes to you know help people on all these websites. So definitely consult some help. It, it depends on what type of business you're you're operating as well. Yeah. So I think the more liability you have, the more you have to think about how you structure your company and, and showing that it's uh, definitely a separate entity from, Correct. from the rest of your assets. So. Yeah. All right, Jordan, good conversation. Thanks yeah. for coming in. Thanks, Casey. Thanks for listening to the Wiser Roundtable podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss out on new episodes. Head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out if you have any questions. We would love to hear from you. Today's episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.